0: living learning and loving are all experiences that affect each one of us at one time or another the three l's hosted by myself rachel Ann dine licensed professional counselor is here to help you navigate life in a down-to-earth and realistic way one podcast episode at a time be well and live learn and love to the fullest Hey guys, welcome back to the 3 Owls. So again, I'm always glad that you join in and today we are covering a topic that truly there's never an inappropriate time to talk about it, but with coronavirus going on, we know that while violent crimes have decreased, mainly because people are on quarantine and lockdown domestic violence cases have increased and this has been shown widely across so many studies, so many reports, police reports, and certainly can be blamed on being kind of quarantined in the home with a partner who is abusive. So I wanted to take this opportunity to go in depth and talk about domestic violence, what it is, the cycle of abuse, the different forms of abuse that can arise, um, and then also provide you with some resources, you know, um, actual contact phone numbers that you can reach out to, websites you can visit with reliable information, because I obviously want you to feel empowered um, to understand what domestic violence is. So Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. So domestic violence, is, which is also called intimate partner violence, IPV, is typically a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship. So this information is taken right from the hotline.org, which is the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and I will be providing you that information, however, through the hotline.org. Um, they have a chat now button. Um, the, the phone numbers are listed right at the top. Great resource. It's actually on my practice website because it's just such a good source of information. So if you never grew up in a household where there was overt fighting, physical abuse, even emotional abuse, um, and even if you did, sometimes the signs and symptoms uh, or red flags, as we call them, that your partner may be emotionally or physically abusive, they can be Lost. Um, So we know that typically domestic violence is very insidious, so it doesn't come right out of the gate with a partner beginning to strike you or physically harm you. It usually starts with a pattern of verbal comments that are meant to demean and hurt you. and those kind of continue to occur over a period of time which almost normalizes that the relationship is you know not overtly abusive in that in that period so i just want to put that out there because sometimes it's hard to recognize the signs, symptoms, red flags, especially if this was not present in your family of origin, it can become lost on the survivor. You know, they, they're not quite sure what to look for. So hopefully this information I provide today will give you kind of a clear cut picture of all the different forms of abuse. So this is taken right from the power and control wheel. And it accurately describes what occurs most often in an abusive relationship. So some of the kind of hallmark tenets of the power and control wheel, I'm going to go right through through them all. And if you want to look this up, once again, it's on the hotline.org. So the first kind of piece is if your partner uses intimidation, and this can come in the form of, Making you feel afraid by using looks, actions, gestures, um, smashing things, destroying your property, hurting your pets, or displaying weapons. Um, So a lot of people don't necessarily associate that when a partner gets mad and maybe they start throwing plates that that's a form of abuse, but it absolutely is. Even when I, you know, in my previous experience, if that kind of behavior is going on and it's in front of kids, that's considered a form of abuse. That's domestic violence. So using any kind of intimidation, using the, the strong looks, the actions, the gestures, smashing things, it's all part of it. So the next piece, and this is one that is super common, using emotional abuse. This comes in the form of you being put down by your partner, um, your partner saying things to make you feel bad about yourself, name calling, make gaslighting, making you feel like you're crazy, um, playing mind games, and then humiliating in making you feel guilty for their bad behavior. I'm gonna say that one more time because it happens way too much. If your partner is making you feel guilty for their abusive act, this is a huge problem. You are not responsible for anybody else's behavior. Each of us as individuals are responsible for our own behavior. So if your partner after an incident you know, has, has hit you or name called you. And then they come back in that reconciliation time and they say, oh, well, if you weren't so stupid, I wouldn't have had to do that. If you wouldn't have left the kitchen dirty, I wouldn't have had to call you an idiot. Or, I mean, that's putting it pretty mildly. You know, typically the name calling can be very intense, but you see what I'm saying? So, anytime your partner accuses you for their bad behavior, big issue. We need to pay attention to that. Okay, so the next piece in the power and control wheel if your partner uses isolation, so controlling what you do, what you wear, and who you talk to, this can even go down to a deeper level of controlling what you read. Um, starting to limit your outside involvement. They get jealous. They don't like the fact that you're going to a business networking meeting. They don't like the fact that you're enrolling back in college. You want to get a new job. Um, And they essentially will use jealousy to justify their actions. So that isolation is key. That is one of the biggest pieces, in my opinion, of sliding into severe abusive relationship because if that perpetrator can isolate you from friends or family then boom they have just removed your support system and now you're kind of tied only to them um and that is that's all about control for them for the abusive person okay so the next piece is if your partner minimizes denies and blames which can come into the form of making light of the abuse, not taking your concerns about it seriously, saying that the abuse didn't happen, um, shifting responsibility for abusive behavior or even once again saying that you caused it. If you guys get into a fight and it becomes emotionally abusive, if it, if it, becomes physically abusive and then the next day after the dust has settled it becomes a joke Uh -uh. uh-uh this is never something to make light of you should never feel scared of your partner or unsafe in your romantic union so I want you to always remember that now the other piece that I have seen people who are abusive do time and time again is they um deny it They say that it didn't happen, especially in some cases, if there's alcohol involved or any kind of substance use, oh my gosh, that is like their perfect end to say, oh, well, you drank too much. You didn't really know what happened. Um, And sometimes there doesn't even have to be substance abuse. Sometimes they'll just so flat out deny it that it it turns into the gaslighting and they will make you try to feel like you're crazy for even suggesting it. Okay, so the next kind of piece of the power and control wheel is when your partner starts using your kids to make you feel guilty about the children, using your kids to relay messages to you, using visitation to harass you, or threatening to take your kids away. This is all a form of power and control in how the abusive individual seeks to gain that emotional um, upper hand over you to scare you into not taking the action to leave him or her or not taking the action to go to the police if it's reached that level or um, really to be able to be free and live your life. So keep that in mind. So. The power and control also speaks to if a perpetrator uses male privilege, and this can come in the form of in a heterosexual relationship, treating the woman like a servant, making all of the big decisions. Hey, we're going to move to California when you guys live in uh, Virginia. You know, I'm going to take you. We're going to move across the country um, without consulting you acting like they are he is the master of the castle, being the one to define men and women's roles. So I I just want to give a, a quick blurb on this, that in Heterosexual relationships, if you begin dating an individual and they are so rooted in those gender stereotypical behaviors, you know, thinking that the wife is the homemaker and he is the one who goes out and makes the money, they're just really rigid in those gender beliefs. You know, you as the woman, you need to be quiet, you need to be sweet, demure, and me as the man, I'm the burly provider. Sometimes this can be a big red flag. Um because it leads to a bigger issue of using male privilege to gain power and control. So keep an eye out for that. In our day and age, there is <laughs> it is so fluid the roles that will be taken on in your specific union, whether you're in a gay and lesbian relationship, whether you're in a heterosexual relationship, no longer are the days where the woman stays at home and the man goes out and makes all the money and he's the provider. No, most often it is two people working together to create a life for themselves, whatever's going to work. So remember that using male privilege, that can be a red flag. Okay, so now we've got this one kind of leads right into if your partner uses their economic standing and holds that over your head. So preventing you from getting or keeping a job, making you ask for money, giving you an allowance, taking your money or not letting you know about or have access to family income. Once again, all red flags that power and control is being exerted. So you should not feel like your partner is your dad or your mom and you're going and asking, "Hey, can I have $20 to go do this?" Um it should be and if in there are some caveat statements to that. So if it's kind of been worked out that you guys are on a budget and you get whatever amount per month, okay, go for it. And you feel happy and you feel empowered and you're not feeling like this is being held over your head um, to kind of gain control over you, then that's one thing. But if you're feeling as if um, your partner is using that to kind of oh, you know, control you or keep you from going out and finding a job or taking all the income from your job, that's an issue. So remember that using any kind of economic standing to hold it over your head. If there's comments, well, I'm the one that makes all the money. So you don't have a say in this. Mm, Okay, it's really starting to hit that line of using economic abuse. Okay, so moving on to the last piece of the power and control wheel, if your partner starts using any kind of coercion or threats, which can come in the form of making or carrying out threats to do something to hurt you, threatening to leave you, to commit suicide, to report you to welfare, to make you drop charges against them, or to make you do illegal things, major this is this is absolutely part of their ploy to use power and control um, to kind of uproot your sense of self and cause insecurity Let's say that you have a high standing job in the community whether you're um, oh, part of kind of local government, you're a physician, you um, own your own business. And when you get home at night, you maybe like to have a glass of wine. And that's it. You're, you literally just have maybe one glass of wine. They come at you and say, well, I'm going to expose you as the alcoholic that you are that is using coercion and threats to try to gain that sense of power and control. And not only that, it's kind of gaslighting you, making you feel like you have an issue when you really don't. So please watch out for that coercion and threats portion of of the power and control phenomenon that does occur. So how does domestic violence often play out? Well, one of kind of an interesting piece of this is I've heard this from a supervisor when I was in grad school and it wasn't until I really began my work in the field that this rang true for me is it's almost like anybody who is a perpetrator of domestic violence it's almost like they all read the same book on how to engage in abuse I mean, there may be kind of scenarios that are slightly different, but the pattern is the absolute same. And that's what I want to go over with you today. So this is called the cycle of abuse. And it is a social cycle theory that was developed way back in 1979 by Lenore Walker. And it's used to explain patterns of behavior in an abusive relationship. So the the short and sweet of this cycle and once again I just have to reiterate that I have seen this play out time and time again there is no major deviation to it it always kind of happens and it's interesting when I review this with someone who has never heard of the cycle of abuse it's almost like the light bulb bulb is turned on and and you know they're basically in shock like how did you know well It transcends across all different kinds of abusive relationships. So step one in the cycle of abuse is tension building. This is when there's an air about the house. There's an air about your partner where you can tell they're on edge. You're not quite sure what's going on. You just know that there's been some kind of breakdown in communication the survivor of the abuse may start to feel fearful on edge and the need to placate the abuser. So you may be in the role of trying to do everything right when it's the tension building stage. You may, you know, talk to your kids and say, OK, kids, um, dad or mom, they're they're kind of on edge right now. Let's do everything we can to stay quiet. Let's keep the house super clean. Um, because you're not quite sure you can't put your finger on it you don't feel like you've necessarily done anything but you can feel that your partner is just on edge and irritable okay so then this will last for a period of time and this this you know whether it's like a few days or a couple weeks and then boom, we've got the incident that occurs. This is when there is the verbal, emotional, or physical abuse that goes down. There can be anger, blaming, arguing, threats, intimidation. So it's kind of almost that explosion phase. Um, And that's when the abusive act happens. So once again, it can be a little bit blindsided. You you can feel as the kind of survivor of this situation, you can feel like it came out of left field. You don't even know what happened, but all of a sudden you're being called whatever names, you're being pushed up against a wall. Um you know, just being accused of doing things that you haven't been doing, that's when when this situation goes down. Step two, the incident or back in the day, they've updated the cycle of abuse, um, but back then it was called the explosion. Now here's the, the next piece. Step three, and this is how I believe that men and women get hooked into abusive relationships is that there comes a period of reconciliation Or the honeymoon phase. That's when the abusive individual profusely apologizes. They bring the flowers home from work. They write you the nice card. They give excuses. Oh, I've just had the the worst week at work. Nobody understands. My boss has been such a, you know, jerk to me. They may deny that the abuse occurred um, or say that it wasn't as bad as the victim claims. You know, that, come on, babe, it really wasn't that bad. I'll do better next time. And then for a period of time, step four is the calm the incident is forgotten no abuse is taking place we are still in that honeymoon phase things are back to where they were when you first started dating this person you feel so secure in the relationship you think okay this time it's gonna be different it will change he or she is showing great behavior um And once again, this is how a person continues to get hooked in to an abusive relationship. It is such a series of mind games and manipulation. Um, I'm super passionate about this and I have little to no room for not identifying when these things happen, when I work with people, when I've dealt with friendships in the past, um, where this may have been occurring. Because it is such a pattern and so just to review very quickly cycle of abuse step one tension building walking on eggshells you're not quite sure exactly what has caused this tense feeling but you're going to do everything you can to try to appease um, to make your abusive partner feel more mm, calm or relieve that tension. However, oftentimes it's to no avail and boom, stage two, the incident happens, um, the explosion. Plates get broken, name name calling happens, physical abuse happens, and then step three, you move right into reconciliation. That's when the dust settles, um, the abusive person is just so apologetic or they minimize what happened it's confusing you do love this person you may share a child with them you may be financially tied to them so you think okay let's see how it goes this time you slide into step four it's the calm the honeymoon phase you think okay we're back on to where we were originally when we first started dating um or you know when we first got married or he's really changed she's really changed Um, however, the calm does not last for a long time because the root issue of the abusive person has not been fully explored and treated by a professional. And if the abusive person is minimizing what happened or they're denying it, they're not, they're not being honest with themselves. So how can change occur with anybody if honesty with self is not happening? So that is the overarching kind of cycle of abuse that can go down. Um, last but not least, I want to just really quickly talk about some warning signs of domestic violence. Once again, these are taken from the hotline.org and I'm going through this site as my resource for this podcast episode because... To me it's like the highest standard um national domestic violence hotline they've been around for so long they really their website is so comprehensive so i can't encourage you enough to seek this out if you have further questions but some of the signs of an abusive relationship do include a partner who tells you that you can't do anything right shows extreme jealousy of your friends or your time spent away from the home, which we all know that you having a life independent of your partner is about having a healthy relationship. So we should never be made to feel bad. Let's say you wanna go take a painting class and your partner gets so upset and accuses you of cheating on them because all because you wanna go take a painting class or try a new exercise class this is a big issue. So showing extreme jealousy of your friends or time spent away. Next one, keeps you or discourages you from seeing friends or family member. That's that isolation piece of the power and control wheel. If they insult you, demean you, or shame you with put downs, if they control every penny spent in the household look, we are in the age of equality. You should know what's going into your bank account, what's coming out. Um, That's part of having like a a close financial and healthy relationship. Now, should, you know, you be in charge of your partner's bank account? Absolutely not. Um, Or if each of you work independently of one another, um, do you need to know everything down to the last penny? No, but you should talk about finances. Um and never feel like you are being controlled with your finances or that your partner's controlling every penny that's spent in your home. Likewise, if they take your money or refuse to give you money for necessary expenses, this is a warning sign, if they look at you or act in ways that scare you, this is where breaking things around the home, they get so mad that they they smash The framed picture of you um, from the early times that you were dating. If they control who you see, where you go, what you do. Prevent you from making your own decisions or talk you out of making your own decisions. Tell you that you're a bad parent or threaten to harm or take your kids away. Prevent you from working or attending school. They destroy your property or threaten to hurt or kill your pets. If they intimidate you with guns, knives, or weapons, this is also this next one is a big one. If they pressure you to have sex when you don't want to or do things sexually that you're not comfortable with, mm-mm. we are not that. That's definitely signs of an abusive relationship. Last but not least, if they pressure you to use drugs or alcohol. Also, warning sign of abusive relationship. The final one that I'm going to add is if your partner threatens to commit suicide if you ever leave them, this is all a sign of power and control. That should not be the method to keep you to stay in a relationship. You should want to be in the relationship because it's healthy, fulfilling, safe, secure, your soft place to land. You should never feel coerced to be with somebody who you no is not good for you and you see that these signs are occurring. So let's go over really quickly some resources should you find that some of these things are going on with you. I've mentioned it before um, throughout this episode, but favorite resource, thehotline.org. Um, it is the comprehensive resource for you to seek help um to get information there are also the hotline number is 1-800-799-7233 so 1-800 and then just remember 799-7233 the other resource is www.psychologytoday.com for you to find an area provider who specializes in domestic violence relationships. Um and hopefully they will be able to give you some guidance on resources in your local area. I know that we have several that I will refer clients to. Um So once again, the advocates on the National Domestic Violence Hotline are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That phone number is 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E, 7233. All calls are free and confidential. You never have to worry about them being recorded. Um, And then even through the website, there is the chat now button. I hope that this has been helpful, I just feel that in light of our current situation and scarily seeing some of these stats rise that more domestic violence situations are occurring um, right now due to current uh, quarantine status, I, I just wanted to share this information. I hope that you feel empowered to never accept less than what you deserve. It can be very difficult, very scary to try to get out of an abusive relationship. It is so psychological in nature because emotionally you can truly love this person and really want for them to be the best version of themselves and get back to where. Things used to be happy and healthy. However, the key statement is that your partner must recognize that they are being abusive and want to make the changes. If they're just telling you that it's never going to happen again, they're going to do better. This is not, for me, this is not enough good information to to take responsibility for the negative behavior that's occurring. Um, and that's usually what I talk with um, to clients, friends, whomever, when I hear that there are some violent or emotionally abusive situations occurring. So take care. Thank you so much for listening in, and I look forward to the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to the three L's today. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or consider giving a rating, especially on Apple podcasts so that more people can find the three L's and tune in as well. Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Rachel and Dine counseling for daily motivation and to request certain topics you want to hear more about. Here's hoping that you live, learn, and love to the fullest. Thank you.